Hi, and welcome to Shattering BS Beliefs. I'm your host, Amy Turner, the No BS Sweetheart. And in this show, what we're going to do is we are going to shatter those BS beliefs that were never yours. Did you know that babies are born with only two fears? The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. So any of these BS beliefs that you have about yourself were completely created by you and you can uncreate them. So let's do it. Oh, and if you're lucky, sometimes I have a special co-host and he can be found in the background scratching, sniffing, whining, and if you're lucky, even barking. So see if you can hear him. Stay tuned. Welcome. This was recorded on a Facebook Live where I am sharing the three ways that we sabotage and don't even realize it. I'm going to share with you some ways of how we unconsciously are sabotaging ourselves that is it stems from our childhood. Here's what we know. A lot of people know in childhood when when we think of things that stem from our childhood that are showing up in our adulthood. A lot of us, we think of abuse. We think of physical abuse. We think of sexual abuse. We think of emotional abuse. And we think of neglect. And yes, I will talk all about that on another live. But today, what I found when I was doing my group therapy, I'd have a lot of clients who would tell me, Amy, I had a great childhood. I didn't have any abuse. I don't know why I'm sabotaging. I don't know why I have this void. And for me, I'm just like, okay, there's, there's other things there. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be abuse. It doesn't have to be traumatic for you to be sabotaging your success and your happiness. Here's the thing. There are, there's six different common ways that we unconsciously sabotage. I'm only going to tell you guys about three because it's just a lot. The, all six are incredibly a lot of information. And so I want to give you three now and I'll give you three next week. So the first one is called outdoing. Outdoing is a type of thing where you feel that you can't surpass a family member. So you don't want to outdo your family member. So say your dad was really, um, was really just struggling with work and just really trying to make it and really wanting to be successful and just struggled. And here you are as an adult, you have an incredible opportunity to make a lot of money more than what your dad makes and you can sabotage it because you don't want to outdo your father. You don't want to have to carry that burden and that guilt that I came from my dad and I'm making more money than him. And so that's a type of outdoing. So it can be where you don't want to be more successful than your family. And it's not that you don't want to, it's an unconscious thing where you feel that you can't, you feel like you're going to feel guilty if you're more successful for them. So let me know if this is resonating with any of you. It can be outdoing when it comes to success and when it comes to your job. It can be outdoing when it comes to a relationship. Maybe you saw your parents or your caregivers or your siblings not have a very happy relationship and you have a great relationship, but you don't want to talk about it to any of your family members because energetically you're going to feel that they don't want to hear about it that they're jealous, that there's different things like that. And so you could sabotage just sharing 
how excited you are in your relationship because you just don't want to deal with the guilt, that hidden guilt that shows up. Or you can sabotage having a good relationship because, well, no one else in my family had a good relationship. Why do I deserve to have a good relationship? This is stuff that you don't really hear a lot about, but it's so important to know. Oh, Stacy said I can relate with that with my sister. Yeah, so it doesn't just have to be our parents. It can be our siblings as well. Um, Varad, yes, or I feel bad that my mother is so stuck. I feel bad getting free. Yes, I hope I'm saying your name right, but that's exactly what the next one is, is we can feel that we are outdoing our family by feeling happy, by having a better life than them. If your, if your mom or dad or caregiver was depressed growing up, then you can feel, oh, I don't deserve to be happy. I can't be happy because my mom was depressed. I don't want to make her feel bad. Because here's the thing, as children, we take on all of the stuff from our family members. And so especially our parents. So if our parents are depressed or anxious or just not happy, then what we want to do is we want them to be happy. And so we can energetically take that on or um, we, we make it like it's our responsibility. Oh my gosh, what did I do? What can I do to make dad happy? What can I do to make mom happy? What can I do to make my sibling or my grandma happy? Because as little kids, our brain isn't done developing until we're 25 years old. So we don't understand we think that we're responsible as little kids of why isn't mom happy? What did I do? What can I do? So it's different things like that. Guilt was misused as a motivator when I was growing up. It is the reason I moved away from religion. Whew. Yeah, Robert, religion is a huge, huge thing. And I'm not going to get too much into it. But yes, we can feel very guilty if we're brought up in a certain religion and we don't agree. And then we feel like we can't outdo our parents and we're a burden, different things like that. So absolutely. Brad, totally. I, but I could never make them happy. Not in the truest sense. Yeah. Yeah. But as little kids, we think like, what can I do? Why are they not happy? And even, even with our siblings, you know, if we were, or, or if we were more popular or had more friends, then, then we feel bad throwing it in their face. So it's like, we can't even enjoy what we have because we have that guilt of outdoing. We don't want to outdo them. We don't want to outdo them with success. We don't want to outdo them with the relationship. We don't want to outdo them with, um, with happiness because we feel like we're going to take that from them. Like we need to be on that, that same level, which I'm not saying everyone resonates with this one. There's six of them. So the unconscious belief is when you achieve, you aren't leaving any good things for your family. So it's almost like you're taking you're taking it all. The other unconscious belief is you are showing up your family members that weren't able to achieve those goals. And so it's almost like like you're you're feeling like you're better than. And we don't want to feel like we're better than if we love them, if we care about them. And so it's this weird unconscious thing and that's why we can sabotage some really happy relationships. Sabotage feeling really happy about who we are. Sabotage success and making more money than our parents did and having an easier life. I mean, that that's another thing too, where it's like, you have to work really hard to make a lot of money. Well, there's a lot of people out there that haven't really worked that hard that have made a lot of money. That could be outdoing too, because it came 
from the parents and, and generations earlier that that was kind of the belief. Joe. Oh, that's why my brothers hate me. Okay. I'm, gra- I'm glad you brought this one up because not a lot of people talk about this, but here's the thing. If you grew up with your siblings and you hated each other, and if you're still adults and you hate each other, it's because you weren't able to speak your truth to your parents about how you felt for whatever reason they were scary or fearful or for whatever reason you couldn't tell them how you felt, you couldn't share your feelings, we take it out on our siblings. And so that's what you're saying right there, Joe, is that's why my parents hate me. Yeah, because there might have been some outdoing piece in it. And there's other pieces I'm going to share with you guys today that relate with the whole sibling thing too. And here's the thing with outdoing. It all depends on how your family members react to you. If you outdo them, if you're more successful and more happier and and they're happy for you, then this isn't really something that's going to resonate. But if you if if you're you can feel that jealousy, if you feel them making you feel bad about what you've achieved, if and they don't even have to say it. It's just this energetic thing that you feel where it's like, oh, I can't share that because I'm going to feel this weird tension energy, then that's when outdoing can really resonate with you. And right now I have a client and she was telling me that we were talking on the phone and she has this business and she doesn't really like it. And I was asking her, I'm like, well, why are you doing it? And what we got to, it was the heart of that she wanted to get approval from her dad. Because money meant everything to her dad. And so unconsciously, she felt that if she made a lot of money, then her dad would approve her, which would mean her dad would love her. Which, it sounds crazy when I say it out loud, but that's what our mind does. If we don't feel like we got the exact love that we needed from our parents, then we're going to look for the little things that we saw that our parents loved that we can do so then they will love us. Because... What John Bradshaw says is he says, what we love is what we give time to. So you can think about you being a parent or you with your parents or caregivers. What did they love? Because that's what they gave time to. So if you, for my client's example, her dad loved money and he gave all of his time to money. So she thought if I made a lot of money, he's going to love me. Here's the thing. So during the session, I do a lot of like energy work too. I do a lot of um, like I work with the subconscious a lot to find these deep seated beliefs and release them out of the body. And then I do energy work of the energy that we're holding in from our parents energy that isn't ours that we took on. And during the session, we release that energy from her body that she was carrying on from her dad. And here's the thing, you guys, when we actually release this energy, other people feel it like we don't even have to tell them that you like, she didn't even tell him she did a session with me. And the next day he came over to her and asked her all about her and had the most deep engaging conversation she's ever had in her life. And she's like, Oh my gosh, that's the most my dad ever asked me about me because she released that energy that he felt it. And I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's crazy how this is so related to carrying on other people's belief and other people's energy. And when we can release that and have awareness, things can really change. And the next one is called burdening. So I'm sure you guys have heard this term before burdening. This is where we feel that we are, our parents were weighed down by how, like we were a burden 
to our parents. Like a lot of times this happens with people who have a lot of siblings and they just have a lot of the, the parents just have a lot of kids to take care of. And sometimes siblings can feel like they're a burden. And so, so the parents can feel weighed down and drained. They can tell you that, oh, I had to give this up for you, or I couldn't do this because I had you. And it's, it's not like the, the parents aren't doing it on purpose. The thing is, 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 and here's, here's one thing that I always, always share, because it's, it's not about blaming our parents. It's having the awareness. And it's like, our parents are always doing the best that they can with the information that they have. And so, but it's having awareness that it's like, oh, okay, they did the best that they can, but this is what I needed. This is, this, this is what they said to me that made me feel that I wasn't good enough. And then once we have the awareness, then we can change it. And if you're a parent yourself and you're realizing, oh my gosh, I'm doing this, don't beat yourself up. Just know that you can change it. And the thing is, is parents are always modeling for us. So if you're a parent and you're seeing like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm doing to my kids. Just remodel it. Just go to them and take responsibility. That's what, that's what I know someone, I think Susie said she loves John Bradshaw. That's what John Bradshaw pre preaches or used to preach. He died, uh, was all about taking responsibility as a parent. Don't act like you're God. Just take responsibility and say, oh my gosh, you're right. I totally messed up right there. I shouldn't have said that to you. I reacted. I'm so sorry. Just say sorry and take responsibility. Do you know how much that's going to change children's lives if they see you take responsibility? If I saw my parents take responsibility, if you saw your parents take responsibility and how our kids will learn how to do that. So that's my little, little rant there. So, so we take on, if we feel we're a burden in the family as kids, we take on that responsibility. We think, oh, if only I was smarter, if only I was more responsible, if only I was more disciplined, if only I was prettier, if only I was more successful, if only, if only, if only, if only, and then we wish we're different when we don't have to be different at all. We're just carrying the burden of our parents. Yeah. And so burdening is where the kids blame themselves for who they are because they aren't able to do whatever they need. They feel they need to do for their parents. So one other thing I want to share. So there also, there can be a temperance difference because every single child, I'm not a parent, so I don't know, but I'm assuming all the parents that are on here, every single child comes out with a different personality. And so if you're a parent who is very calm and then you have a kid that's really energetic, it can be, it can be really frustrating because you don't understand them. And so if that's how you grew up, if you were energetic and your parents were slow, then they could, you could have felt like you were a burden for being who you are because they just didn't know how to handle you. That's nothing bad. That's just, we all just have different temperaments. I had a client who was waking up with anxiety every single day and what she came from a large family where she was, I think she was one of the first born. And so she had to take care of a lot of her siblings. And so she was very parentified. And by being that, she felt like she was never good enough because she didn't take as well as good care of her siblings. Cause she was, I don't know, like eight trying to be a mom. And so she's had this anxiety and through the session, we release that anxiety out of her body. She realized she did the best that she could. She realized she was not supposed to be a parent to her siblings. She did not have her siblings. They did not come out of her woo-woo, right? And so she realized that. And then she was able to get that energy out of her body. And now she doesn't have an anxiety anymore. And she's like super happy and going on dates. And it's just, it's crazy how these hidden 
unconscious beliefs that we take on can really just affect us and sabotage us in our adult life. But once we realize, oh, that's what it is, we can change it. Uh, Stacy, my mom goes on record today saying she wasn't a great parent, but it's not like it ever makes me feel any better. Yeah. Yeah. At least, at least you have that because some parents won't admit it at all. But of course it doesn't make you feel better because it's like, well, you didn't, I had needs that needed met when I was a kid. It doesn't matter now, but at least you have the awareness to realize it's not you. This is just what happened. That describes me. I wake up with anxiety all the time and I had to raise all seven of my siblings into custody of them as an adult too. Whoa, that's a lot, Stephanie. It wasn't until five years ago that I'd gotten them all safe and I am still just decompressing. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, so you were parentified. You had to, you didn't get it. You didn't get to play. You didn't get to have a childhood. You had to learn. Of course, you're going to have anxiety. I mean, it's not your fault. It's not anything you did. It's what you had to take on. So that's the thing. It's just like releasing that out of your body and, and getting the awareness and knowing like, I'm okay. I did what I had to do. Nothing's wrong with me. Wow, Stephanie, that is a lot. Thank you for sharing that. It's a process of healing and letting go. Even though I took care of them all, I'm still burdened with feeling not good enough. I should have, could have needed to do more. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to feel like that because that was the role you were given growing up. You were given, this is your role. You need to be the parent. When I'm sorry, you didn't, that was not your job. So forgive yourself. You did the best that you could. And your siblings are so freaking thankful for you that you stepped up. So give yourself credit, Stephanie. Tony, I have one. I have a mother who downplayed everything. Bullying by a teacher in elementary school, a cousin who beat the piss out of me on the regular. Ugh. Nobody stood up for me. Ugh. Now I am on the defense with everything, from someone cutting me off to the rude person at the store. I take everything personal and have become very vengeful. Wow, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Here's the thing. That's just, and I'm sure you know this, that's just a lot of aggression that's been pent up for years and you haven't been able to speak your truth about what's really going on. And so it comes out in the car. It comes out to people at the store that don't deserve it at all. It's time to, 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 I don't want to say let it go because it's not that easy. It's time to realize you did the best that you could. You didn't get your needs met. You did nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. You matter, you're important, and that that's just awful that no one stood up for you. But it, it now it's time to be aware. You're aware of all this. And it's like, okay, that's what happened to me, and I'm going to change it. And you can change it. I promise you can change it. It might take a little bit of work, but you can absolutely change that. Stephanie wrote, I think you're writing this to Tony. You did the best you could with the information and skills you had at the time. Yeah, we all did. We all did. We're not equipped to take care of our siblings. We're not equipped to know what's going on. We're not equipped to take care of our parents. And yet we take on that burden. We think it's our responsibility. So everyone just take a big, deep breath and let it go because it wasn't our fault. This is just what, these are just the beliefs we had to take on. And now you realize I don't have to sabotage anymore. This is just what I took on. That's not who I am. It's not my identity. Our identity is formed between the ages of five and eight years old. So think about it. When you were five, year, for five or eight years old, or if you have kids that are five or eight years old, 
Do you think they really know who they are? No. The only thing we think we are is what people tell us we are. So what our parents tell us, what our siblings tell us, what school tells us, what news tells us, that's how we form our identity. That's why I think we have these like midlife crises and then like mid midlife crises is because we're realizing that's not my identity. That's not who I am. That's why we have, we have these crazy breakdowns because we're ready to figure out our truth and not take on the stupid beliefs that aren't ours, that people told us who we are. So, sorry, I go on my little bit of a rant there. Um, Paulina, I was raised by a mom who was a paranoid schizophrenic. Oh, wow. Very rageful and then had to raise my youngest siblings who also became a diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. Oh, wow. I went through decades of therapy. I wrote a memoir called The S Word. Oh. And to be honest, I thought I had dealt with it all. Why do things keep coming up? How do you stop Groundhog's Day? Here's, here's the thing. Here's how I'm going to answer that, Polina, is we think things are always going to show up. And we think just because we did so much work on ourselves that it's gone. And it's like, there's always still a little bit of remnants there. And, and I, I would say, look back at all the work that you have done and give yourself credit of how you're reacting so much differently than you would have five years ago, 10 years ago. And it's like, you are changing, you are growing, you are moving. This is just some really, really, really deep seated shit, basically. And you grew up with someone who was so rageful. The thing is, is we have to protect ourselves. We have to go into safety. We have to, our brain is amazing in the fact that it protects us. And it, that's where our different defenses come up. That's where we um, completely check out in the world. That's where we become the class clown. That's where we become the angry one that pushes people away. Like those are our defenses so we can survive. So give yourself credit that you survived that because that is not very easy. You're here today. You're doing the work. Things are going to show up, but just give yourself credit for all the work that you've done. And, and I would say it's not the easiest thing to do, but I would say, be curious about it. Oh, wow. I thought, I thought I did work around this. Why is this showing up right now? What else do I need to learn? Because I'm a big believer that everything is a big lesson. And so ask yourself, what else do I need to learn that this is still showing up? So here's, here's, a big one. This is one of my favorite ones to teach. This is one of the ones that is not the easiest to teach. So just go with me. All right. You guys ready for love, love theft? Whew. Okay. This one's a big one. This is where you felt that you received more love or attention than other family members. Or you were the one that saw that other family members received more love and attention than you did. And so that's what I was talking about with the siblings, when we can be really angry at our siblings and it's because we're not getting the love that we deserve and want, then we take it out on our siblings and we hate each other. That, that's one example. Uh, so that's, that's kind of like the favorite child piece. So and here's the thing too. If, if you were the one that was the favorite, so that was me growing up. And here's the thing, when, when you're the favorite child, you think I shouldn't complain. You think you shouldn't have any problems. You shouldn't have any excuses. You shouldn't complain because you're the favorite. You, you got what you needed. And it's such a confusing place to be in because you, you don't think you have any needs. You don't think you're allowed to have your emotions. You don't think you're allowed to complain because you were the favorite and you feel so awful 
because you see the dynamics in your family and you see that your sibling isn't being treated, treated the same way as you. Or you see that your dad is getting less love from mom because you're getting it. Or you see that uh, mom is getting less love from dad because you're getting it. And it's such a confusing place to be in because you feel like you have no right to be upset or angry or sad because it's confusing because you're the favorite. So I relate a lot with this because I said I was the favorite of the family. I didn't get along with my sister at all because she was not the favorite and I didn't understand. I was like, why does my sister hate me? And now we're good friends because we've talked it out and we realize it. But that's because we couldn't share with, we, we didn't know what was going on. We just had to blame each other because that's all we knew. And so it can happen with siblings. Here's uh, Carla. I was the favorite and also the one who my parents were the hardest on. That's true. That's true. You can be the favorite. So you have the hardest, the, the highest expectations too. So that can make you feel like you're not good enough or you have these huge expectations, these huge perfectionistic things to live up to. Anna, my mom is narcissistic and she would play favorites depending on who would do more of her bidding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you grow up with a narcissistic mom, it's who's, who's going to feed my needs. It's not about you. It's about me, which is so incredibly tough to grow up with narcissistic parents. So all of you being on this call, being on the replay, give yourself credit for where you're at today. Because what I know being in this field for as long as I have doing my own personal growth work, I am so thankful for all the work I've done. I'm so thankful for my brain, for my unconscious, for, for, like, for getting to where I am today. So I just want to want to point that out. Uh, Susie, I can relate. My brother was definitely the favorite in our family. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's the thing is, is a lot of families, they have a favorite and doesn't have to be the sibling. It could be the mom or the dad too. It's, it's a really like weird thing. There's so many different ways, but it's all kind of the same thing, but it all looks different. So Polina said, yep, I became caregiver and my papa would call me a Oh gosh, my Spanish is awful. Um, Bacicola Mama, the little mother, and it made me unpopular with siblings and my schizophrenic mom. Of course it would. Of course. As much as I love being the little mother because it gave me power, I hated it. Yes, it's so confusing because you love it, but you hate it because some people treat you well with it and some people treat it's It's not fun. It's not fun at all. Um, my little sister ended up dying. Oh my God. My older sister won't speak to me because of the book. Wow, 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 wow. You are such a strong person for doing this, for writing the book, despite whatever is going to happen. You are so, so, so strong. Carla, it makes me happy to know I'm not alone and crazy. You're not alone and crazy. Cedar, after my parents divorced and my mom left, my dad remarried. The woman and her three daughters were not kind. She was mentally and physically abusive. Ugh, felt like I lived in Cinderella stories. The three daughters and my youngest brother had three younger brothers were treated differently. Wow, you were in Cinderella. Definitely not allowed to express who I was. Felt abandonment from my mom. I was the, I'm the oldest of my siblings and me at my middle, at my middle brother got it the worst. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that Cedar. Like th there's so many different things that go on that 
affect us so deeply, whether we know it or not. It could be consciously, it could be unconsciously, but that is what is sabotaging us from our happiness, our success, our relationships, from what we want today is still carrying this, this guilt, this burden, this shame. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for all of your comments and all of your vulnerability and sharing. This is how, this is how the world is going to change. This is how, how things are going to change by being honest and sharing. So last one, love theft. So this is surrogate spouse. I hate, and if you, if you like it, that's completely fine. You can't, I just know like the meaning behind it. And so I hate those terms, but I hate the, uh, mama's little boy and daddy's little princess. And because that's that whole, for me, ever since I learned about surrogate spouse, I was like, Oh, never call me daddy's little princess. Never. I'm never going to call guys mama's little boy because that's what a surrogate spouse is, is when two parents, whether it's your adopted mom or stepmom or whatever, but two, two people are in a relationship or I guess they could be divorced too, whatever, where they're not getting their needs met from another adult in a relationship. And so they look to their kids. And so their kid becomes the surrogate spouse. The kid becomes the one that feeds the need of the parent. So that's why I hate daddy's little girl, mama's little boy, because there's so much like stickiness and ickiness there. So, so for an example, a dad could love his little princess and just give her the world and give her all the attention in the world. And he's in a fight with his wife and he goes and talks to his little princess about the fight. And so that little princess feels like she has to be the therapist. She has to be the one to fix it. She's put in that role of wife. She's put in that adult role when she should not be knowing what is going on between an adult relationship. She needs to stay at whatever age she is. And so the love theft is that little girl feels really confused. Just like someone, I can't remember your name, but someone posted in a comment about how it was confusing growing up and having one person favorite you and one person not or dislike you or hate you. And so that can be that, like, for the example I'm using, that can be the angry mom. The mom treats you like shit or is angry or is jealous of you because you're getting all the attention from dad and you're confused because you're like, I'm just this kid. I'm just your child. And here's mom angry at me for me just being me. And here's dad treating me amazing for me just being me. It's really confusing. Same thing with the opposite. It could be a mom and the little boy where the dad feels that he is not getting any attention or any love. And so he can disconnect or he can get angry. It's There's so many different ways that it's convoluted. But the thing is, if two adults are not having that consenting adult relationship and they don't know how to be healthy about it, they're going to look to their kids. Like I said, this happens a lot more in a lot of houses, more than we think, because it's so, it's, it's, it's given that name. It's given mama's little boy. It's given daddy's little princess. And, that, and that's not always the case, but that, that's like the big one with the love theft, because you feel you are responsible for your parents suffering and your parent being unhappy. And it can be a really, really confusing thing to go with. And I, I don't, I have so many client examples from people having, going through 
the love theft because it's such a common thing. And when we realize that as a kid, I did nothing wrong. That's just how I was treated. And of course, we're going to go. Our brain's always taking us towards pleasure and away from pain. So if in the example I gave you, if angry mom is painful, I'm going to go more towards dad. Ashton. I have a girl and a boy, and sometimes people say those, and I hate it. Yeah, yeah, because it's so it's so convoluted and sticky, and it sounds so cute, but if you really think about it, it's not. Yes, these kids are little kids, and they need us, but they go through the dependence to interdependence to independence, and we have to treat them like humans, and we don't have to constantly... There, there's parents, too, that will constantly say my little girl. I mean, my mom does that to me. She calls me my little girl. I'm 34 years old. So it's just like, it's just that, like, we have to just give people their identity. Okay. That I was dealing with adult stuff for as long as I can remember from both parents. One instance I remember when I was just a kid around eight or so, I had to be a mediator in the family. Mm hmm. My mother would tell me that my dad wants to divorce and my dad would tell me how she doesn't sleep with him. Oh my God, you were eight. My brother was born when I was four. He could do no wrong. Ugh. oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You should not be involved with adult things. It's like, that's another way of parentifying a kid is that's that surrogate spouse thing. Thank you for sharing that. Stacy, can someone energetically purge their own childhood issues? Recognition is a great start, but I never know where to go from there. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely can. It's it's incredible. I'll just share with you something that I, I tapped into on my own. So I use uh, I, I the technique that I use with my clients is I, I go we go into the subconscious. We find these like deep rooted beliefs and I tapped into this energy healing thing that comes from Jungian. Jungian. I can't say that where he studied dreams and imagery. And so I started using imagery and colors to find out where energetically our mom's issues live, our dad issues live, our siblings issues live in our body, where we're still carrying it. And there's a way, oh, actually, if you guys go, if you guys go into my, um, my Facebook group, No More BS Beliefs, I'll post it in the comments. I did, uh, I did a session. And you can actually, I do it with you. So you can actually go through and energetically get it out of your body. Uh, that's, I, we can't do it personally because you're, you're not my client at that point, but at least you can kind of see how it works. But anyway, so yeah, you could tap into where the energy of your mom and dad live in your body. You can release it. It's really, really crazy. Every time I have a client session and someone releases it, I mean, the things that show up. I mean, people, people see their mother's energy as like sludge and it's like, or tar and it's like slowly coming out of their body. And some, a lot of times it's this black color energy. There's energy healing is, is incredible. Like I said, I tapped into it. I, I'll just say I'm really gifted at it because my clients get incredible results afterwards. So yes, Stacey, you can. And again, for you guys, I will post it. Uh, I will post my Facebook group. And I will tag you in the session four that I did where I'm actually taking you through the whole like getting rid of your limiting belief. So I talk about limiting belief in there. I don't talk about mother or father energy, but you can use that. So yeah, great question. Cornelia, energetically in colors. Perfect. It's so fun. It's so amazing to see that we can actually energetically release this. It sounds so woo-woo, you guys. I like to refer to myself as woo-doo. 
So I'm, I'm woo-woo. I go a little bit of that like holistic woo-woo manifestation way, but I'm also do. So I'm a, a doer and action oriented. Next week, what we're gonna, we're gonna tackle is the abandonment piece. And we all know abandonment from more of like the, the broad term, but we're gonna go deeper into like the hidden, the hidden guilt of abandonment. And especially people who have been adopted, this, this is, this is a big one for you. Uh, then we're gonna go into disloyalty and then we're gonna go into shame. And so the difference between guilt and shame is guilt is I did something bad and shame is I am bad. And so shame is where you make it your identity. Guilt is where your, your action was not necessarily the best idea, but guilt uh, or but shame is you make it about you. Like you aren't good enough. Thank you guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope that you were able to shatter some of those BS beliefs. Please share this podcast with anyone that you think it will resonate with and leave me a comment or send me a voice message so I can have a Q&A with your questions. And if for some reason you still have those pesky BS beliefs, go to nobstherapy.com and send me a message. I love helping people get to the root cause of their BS beliefs so you no longer have to have them anymore. And you can go on being the empowering person with the amazing life that you were meant to have. See you next time.